G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast and YouTube channel. My name is Fry and I'm back with the AFL Fantasy Round 4 wrap-up. We've got a month of footy in the books now, there's plenty of sample size to determine which players are the real deal and which guys we need to ditch ASAP. Uh, unfortunately, I have a lot of players in the latter category still in my side, but... Things are okay. Again, a glass half full approach is what I'm going with at the large fries and coke. I slipped about 100 spots in ranking, but I'm still sitting almost bang on the 30k mark. But there's a lot of other coaches I know out there that are in worse positions than me. So I'm going to bounce back. For those tuning in on the uh, YouTube channel, you see the new backdrop I'm rocking with. There's a spot of light that shines on the door over there that's really annoyed me when I've been recording in the past. So to alleviate that, I just changed the angle of the camera. I know it sounds like rocket science, but... It took me uh, four or five videos to figure it out. Um, I'm recording this on a Tuesday, Arvo. Hopefully I can fire it out on Wednesday. Um, things, a couple of things took priority before I could get to recording, like watching the new episode of Game of Thrones, got basketball later tonight. And I've been working on my big Dream Team Talk rookie piece. Uh, once again, my weekly feature for the DT Talk boys. Uh, that covers, again, all the rookies and cash cows. So if you are watching and listening to this, chances are you'll be able to go to dreamteamtalk.com and read that. We're at an important part of the season because the next few weeks are a little bit hectic. We've got our last Thursday night game, or one of the last, uh, after a string of them to start the year coming up. But then we've got about 10 games in 11 days because Anzac Day is coming up. We've got Easter Monday that stretches out the round. I'm going down south for Easter, so chances are next week's video will also be up late Tuesday or Wednesday. But after that, I'm going to try and get back to producing them and the wrap-up a bit earlier on Mondays because I've got a bit more time up my sleeve for school holidays until things uh, get back underway. But without further ado, let me provide all the relevant information from an interesting round four in the AFL fantasy world. Before I get to my team, I just want to give a quick update on the Sports by Fry League. I haven't done it, I don't think at all, in many uh, podcasts and videos. I know I did it once at the lead-off, but... Chris uh, Tassel is currently leading the Sports by Fry League with Burnt Knobs, I think, sitting about 19th or 20th overall. Finished in the top 10 for the week. He'd be very happy uh, that I talked him out of trading Patrick Cripps after he captained him to a pretty awesome score. But he's the bloke that you're trying to catch. I'm currently sitting about 101st out of 120-odd people. So to say I've got my work cut out for me is a bit of an understatement, but... I'm still trying to aim to rise in the ranks. I think Tassel's got about a 100-point gap from second place, so he's putting up some big scores early, and hopefully my team can bounce back sooner rather than later. Diving into my team, starting in defense, Jake Lloyd should have been my vice-captain this week. I got a little bit greedy, tried to think outside the box, and went with Angus Brayshaw. It wasn't too greedy, though. He's been putting up good numbers, but... Yeah, as a result, I went for a captain that uh, only just topped Jake Lloyd's score, even though his was doubled. Uh, but Williams and Brody Smith were my other two top defenders. It's getting to the point where they need to be con into consideration about culling. Uh, Williams, I think, ahead of Smith at this stage, but they've got favourable fixtures this week, so you might not want to do it right away. I couldn't get Marty Hall's score onto my ground, but I'm glad I still have him in my side. And hopefully, fingers crossed, he can uh, hold his spot in the Demons team. Into the midfield, similar theme as the last few weeks. Some big scores, some fine scores, and then a couple of letdowns, including Josh Dunkley, who I chopped into my midfield this week to give me a link between my forward line. But uh, he'll be going straight back out 
um, and probably bringing in Tom Libertore. But I'll talk my trades a bit later. Uh, luckily, I started the season with Cripps. His score was awesome. Crouch continues to score 100, so I can't complain with that. Rocky was good. Toronto is a great point of difference. Uh, with Callum Ward injuring himself, I think he'll hold his spot in my side. I got rid of Bailey Scott with my trades last week, but I might even get a bit fancy, and if he's named and performs well, bring him back in uh, following round five. Heading into the rucks, and the combination of Grundy and Jared Witts paid off big time this week. Uh, Jared Witts actually outscored Max Gorn for all those uh, Grundy and Gorn owners out there who are going with the two big dogs, but like I've talked about before, Witts will eventually become Gorn, but I can't really complain. He's been very consistent putting up 90s and had a great 120, so he's uh, definitely earned a few more weeks in my side. <sighs> the forward line was really a letdown this week. I skipped Dangerfield, who... Like I said, did not get it done. Tim Kelly copped a bit of a tag. I think that was one of the lowest scores of his career from uh, what I remember reading, but not great. Warple kind of saved me a bit, and the rookies were disappointing again. I did think about putting uh, Brian Myers on my field instead of Petricelli, but I thought Petricelli on debut against Frio, I thought the Eagles would win by a few more points than they did, and he only had five points after quarter time, so his spot in West Coast seems uh, not guaranteed, and... Yeah, I've got a little, little bit of thinking to do in my forward line. Obviously, Setterfield being suspended for two games means that he can't be played on my field. Um, I'll talk a little bit about trades and what you should do with some rookie shuffling later on. But, yeah, 1988 was what the large Fries and Coke scored. Again, like I said, without a big Sunday, it could have been worse. But still, plenty of work to be done. All right, I want to make these episodes a bit shorter than usual. So I'm going to burn through the frustrating five and favourite five very quickly this week. Plus five goes to none other than Paddy Cripps. I think he was the fourth most popular captain. It was the highest score of his career, actually. Only one point shy of his previous best. But this is why you pay up for some of those big guns that we think are going to be freaks. Some of them obviously don't pan out, like I think Clayton Oliver's numbers to start the season. He's had good games, but he's had some average ones. But Cripper looks like a top eight midfielder, and you have to have him in your team. Brody Grundy, similar deal. He showed why he's worth paying up for with a plus four performance on Friday night. Should have skipped him. I talked about it. I thought about it, but I didn't do it. So it is what it is. But for those people that captured him, they would have banked a nice 300 points as well. Plus three goes to Lockie Neal, who features in the favourite five for the third straight week. He's plus 10 in the last three weeks. Just keeps getting it done. He's gone at an average of 140 in his last three. And... With a fixture against Collingwood on Thursday night, I think it's Collingwood, he could be a nice loophole option if you're trading him in or you already own him. Um, Grundy, obviously, is another option. But yeah, Lockie Neal is starting to throw his hat into the ring for number one midfielder this season. Gun. Plus two, I've always been a massive fan of Took Miller. I don't know what it is. It's got a unique name. But yeah, ever since he was drafted by the Suns, I've loved the kid and don't have him in any way. Actually, I've got him in a draft team, but don't have him in classic. In fact... Only 0.2% of the competition benefited from his huge 149, so well done, Tukey. Plus one could have gone a lot of different ways with guys like Rockliffe, McRae, Bra, not Brayshaw, Heaney, Merritt, um, Gaff. Those guys put up great numbers, but Sammy Walsh is a dead set legend. I talked about him in the preseason for the Dream Team boys. I said, you have to start with him. People laughed at me when I said he'd push his average over 85, and he's nearly averaging 100 for the year. So if you're one of the, I think there's about 28% of the comp that doesn't have him, stop what you're doing, trade him in, and don't be stupid. The frustrating five, uh, you can 
Look no other way than to start with Sam in a goal off of the negative five this week. 37 is just disgusting. You can't accept that from a premium, let alone a rookie. So if I was an owner, I would seriously consider trading him out. He's going to keep bleeding your money. He might bounce back and be worth holding. But yeah, if you don't want him to lose too much value, uh, then look elsewhere. Neg four goes to danger. No surprises here. Very popular captain option this week and let a lot of the competition down. He'll bounce back. He'll be okay. But... Yeah, we can't accept these negative forwards from someone who I think, and most of the fantasy community thinks, will be the best forward this season. I'm beginning to sense a theme here. The negative three goes out to Timmy Kelly. Uh, bad game from Geelong from a fantasy standpoint. Luke Dalhouse was lucky not to uh, end up in the negative fives. But anyway, TK gets the neg three this week. Like I said, it was one of the worst scores of his career. So again, he'll bounce back. But yeah, frustrating for people who have a Geelong heavy forward line this week, that's for sure. I flagged it when Andrew Gaff came back into the team, but Dom Sheed's numbers aren't impressive with Gaffy back in the side this season. He's averaging 78 in two games. In the derby, he kind of just looked lost and a little bit all over the place. I don't really know what role he was playing because I don't really know what the hell he was doing, but scored a 65. His numbers historically against Port, who they've got this week, aren't great either. So, look, I might give him one more week if I was an owner, but... Yeah, it might be time to start thinking about chopping him out. He's at a solid price, so before he starts losing value, I think he's got a relatively high break-even this week. So you might want to start to consider other options because Dom Sheed isn't looking like the Dom Sheed that we saw in the grand final anymore. Neg one, this one was easy. Josh Dunkley's got to go. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times and just get out of my team. <laughs> Honestly, he didn't even look like he was playing a fantasy-friendly role against Collingwood, so cut your losses. It's that time. If you can get Isaac Heaney back in for him, you have to swallow your pride and do it, I reckon. So let's dive into trade tactics. Uh, Lockie Whitfield was one of the most popular brought-in players last week, and he shot up another 30 grand in value. So like I said, he costs a lot of money now. 830 grand it'll cost to get him into your team. If you can do it though, like getting rid of Williams and Brody Smith and just burning all the money you've saved, I think it's worth it. We're all wanting him in our sides at one point. It's something I'm considering this week. I don't really want to part way with all that coin, but what would you rather have? A higher points total in Lockie Whitfield or another disappointing weekend? If you want to look at someone cheaper, someone on my radar in defense is James Sicily. Pretty solid 111, season high on the weekend. He can just ping pong between 60s and 110s, so be prepared. It's a roller coaster ride if you want to have sick dog in your team, but he looks like he'll be a top six defender, so it's not a crazy option. Spoke a little bit about Lockie Neal already. Honestly, might be top midfielder status. He's tick over 800 grand, so people, again, like Whitfield, are going to have to pay up if they want him in their teams, but... It's hard to argue with what he's doing at the moment. He's just accumulating possessions for fun. Even though he gets a lot of handballs, he loves to tackle. He gets a couple of marks, not afraid of kicking a goal. So he's a complete fantasy player and someone that will have to be considered throughout the season. So why not get him now if you can? After another 80 this week, it might not be crazy to consider Shane Mumford. I know a couple of people shopped out their Ruckman for Mumford in an effort to save a ton of money, and it might pay off in the long run. It's something that I don't have the balls to pull off, but he's only priced at about 460 grand. So if you want to do it, kudos and good luck, but yeah, it takes some serious kahunas to pull it off. On the rookie front, a pair of Richmond guys in Jack Ross, who scored really well on his debut, had uh, 16 touches in the first half, and might not hold his spot in the side, but looks fantastic at the moment. And Sydney Stack, who was a little bit uh, less 
impressive than his debut game against GWS, but jucked his way a little bit towards the end of the game to a 40-odd, and if he's on our bench, he's going to keep making us money. I think in the low 50s is what he'll score. Might get defender status when DPPs drop next week. Uh, those two are probably at the top of the food chain for rookie downgrades at the moment. If you don't have Marty Hall, you might want to consider him, but it's worth flagging that Simon Goodwin said Jay Lockhart should be good for next round, and he might come straight back in for Marty Hall. Or Jordan Lewis might do the same thing, because he is, I think, this week a chance, if not the week after. So if Hall holds his spot in the side with those two in, great. But, yeah, it's a little bit risky if he's not named uh, with both those guys this week to bring in Hall, because he might just bounce straight back out in the near future. Guys, you want to get out. I've already spoken a little bit about Dom Sheed. His numbers with Gaff aren't great. Again, I don't personally know a hell of a lot about Roll because he's not in my team and I haven't really considered bringing him in, but after watching the Derby, he did look a little bit like a lost sheep. So if you can trade him to someone else while he's still got a bit of value, he's about 640k, so you might be able to whack 50 or 100 grand on him and turn him into a fallen premium, uh, depending on your team structure. You might be able to get someone like Rocky or, yeah, I don't know, another fantasy-friendly type of cat, but... Yeah, Dom Sheed, time to consider other options. Forwards like Josh Dunkley and Sam Menegola, I've already talked about, they've got to go. And someone who I think you could bring in for them is Jack Billings. He's getting a lot of the footy, and I don't expect him to average 30 touches like he is for the rest of the season, but he's playing a fantasy-friendly role, and he's not stuck in the forward line. So I think he's the real deal. He could be a certain... Well, I don't want to say a certainty. You never know at this time of the year, but he is shaping up as a top-six forward someone on my radar, and someone that should definitely be on yours as well. To the rookies, Will Setterfield with his two-game ban is someone that a lot of people offloaded last week, and it's time to consider doing it again this week. I know that he's awkwardly priced at about 320 grand, and it'd be really handy if he had a healthy spot one more week, and then Atkins or Gibbons in our midfield could have got forward status and provided us a link there. But it is what it is. I personally might wait one week to trade Setterfield and just bench him and hope that uh, Parker or Petrocelli can get me an alright score for one game and then do what I just mentioned, swap him for Atkins. But yeah, Michael Gibbons, who's another player who could get to DPP, could be set for a stint in the twos. Didn't have a great game on the weekend against the Gold Coast, so... He and Setterfield, the two Carlton boys, are probably the rookies that I'd chop out at the moment. And we might have seen the last for Jordan Clark for a while. Looks like he might need a bit of a rest. Zach Guthrie's pushing for a selection in the reserves. So, yeah, I don't like the chances of Clark holding his spot. If he does, I don't think he's a must-trade. But you might want to offload him and get someone like Cal Wilkie. Make you a quick 50 to 70 grand there. Um, but, yeah, those three, Setterfield, Gibbons and Jordan Clark, are probably the guys I'd look at getting rid of first. Right, time for some waiver wire moves in your draft league. Once again, your league can be won and lost on the waiver wire. And one of my leagues I started the season off appalling because I missed the first seven picks of the draft. So I got all midfielders and been able to hit the waiver wire hard to bring in other players at other spots. So my team is looking pretty solid at the moment. One bloke that I put a claim in for was Jason Johannesson. Had a fantastic game on the weekend with 105. Don't go expecting that every week, but should be an 80-plus average in this season. Might even be an option in Classic if we see more high scores, but has been a bit of a risky guy, kind of like Sicily in the past. But good for your draft leagues, for sure. 
Sammy Walsh, surprisingly, is still unowned in about a third of leagues, so he's another bloke that you should definitely take a punt on. And up forward, I've talked about him before, but Matty Tabernard is playing up the ground and getting a lot of marks and a lot of touches. Even if he can't kick straight, he's still finding a way to put up decent fantasy scores, and I think he's worth a chance even starting in your forward line. A couple of players with a little less ownership, uh, Jack Higgins from the Tigers, He's a little bit of an enigma, a little bit unsure what you're going to get each week with Higo, so playing him on your field is risky, but he's a good depth piece. Bench pieces are really important in your fantasy draft team, and I think Higgins is someone that you should consider. Braden Pruce is another one who Simon Goodwin talked about potentially keeping him in the side for a few weeks, and he played deep forward uh, against Sydney on Friday night it was, so he'll keep backing Max up and have a few hitouts. He kicked a couple of goals for his 61 score on the weekend, and Probably score around that, but he's a good emergency policy. He should get ruck status, maybe not in round six, but hopefully by round 12. So someone worth considering. He should get forward status, maybe not in round six, but maybe in round 12. So someone definitely worth considering. And if he can hold his spot in the side, David Mirror is someone from the Hawks that I would consider for my back line. Had an 88 on the weekend. Puts up solid fantasy numbers, but just can't seem to solidify a spot in the Hawks' best 22. But... Hard to argue with what he did on the weekend. Hopefully for those coaches that do have him, he can keep doing well. And if he's on your waiver wire and holds his spot in the Hawks 22, I'd seriously take a chance. Time for my moves. I think Dunkley to Libba is almost a foregone conclusion. I did say something like that last week, so I'm sure I'll change my mind again. But I can still make money making that trade this week. Dual position players, or a new batch of them, will be released for next round. So for people who aren't aware, that means that Players who might not have midfield status but have been playing heavily in the midfield, like Jack Billings, who I've talked about, they could get granted an extra status. It doesn't mean he'll lose his forward eligibility. He can only gain a status. And there are a couple of popular players who could be in that mix. So I'm not too stressed about getting rid of my only current mid-forward link. Um, and Libba, like I said, he can still make me money. He's got a low-ish break-even, so that's someone I can consider. Otherwise, I could go Dunkley all the way down to Jack Ross from the Tigers. I am worried about his job security. If Cotcham comes back in, then I wonder if Ross will hold his spot in the team. So he might be someone I wait another week on, and then hopefully Cotchen comes back and I'll know what position Ross is in. But if I do that big downgrade, then I can definitely turn someone like Jordan Clark or Zach Williams. Don't know if I can get Clark to there, but I can turn Jordan Williams... Uh, Jordan Williams. Zach Williams maybe to Lockie Whitfield, so... Yeah, got a little bit of thinking to do. Libba is probably an 84% chance to come in at the moment. And then my other trade would probably, pending team selection, be a downgrade to just keep generating that moolah. And that is the round four wrap-up. Thank you once again for tuning in to the 100th episode on the Sports by Fry podcast. Uh, not the same on the YouTube channel. I've been... Trying to sort out an NBA pod uh, before the playoffs started. That didn't happen, but I'm going to be uh, diving into more NBA content. I've been posting a lot on uh, my website, so you can check all my articles out at sportsbyfry.com. But I want to get back into doing a few more NBA podcasts and videos. So after the Easter hysteria dies down a bit, then I'll get into the booth and record a couple of episodes for you. But until then, thank you for tuning in. Good luck for round five. Fingers crossed we don't get too much carnage at team selection time. Make sure you check out my rookie piece at the Dream Team Talk site. But until next time, peace.